stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about how to be a long-term stock investor. Now, by long-term, I'm talking five years, 10 years, or even longer, 20 years. Has anyone here owned for 30 years? That's a real long time. I'm thinking back, the longest I have now owned a stock is about 20 20 years, 21 years, it's somewhere in there. And that goes back to my energy stocks. I've done a podcast on that where I bought what was then called Apache in the early 2000s when the energy stocks were taking off. And I still own some in 2022. But I did a whole podcast on why that was a mistake, actually, to be a long-term investor in a cyclical type stock. But it might not be such a mistake for those in other types of stocks that are not those cycle type of stocks. And also, if you have the longest time period, if you're willing to go over the 20 years, which I had to do for the energy stocks, maybe your cycle comes back in in tune, right? But I did think it was a mistake to hold on to my energy stocks for that entire time period because they are cyclical. But some of these others, maybe not. And I know what you're thinking. Why do, why do you have to do a whole podcast on you know, just owning a stack? I mean, it seems pretty easy, right? You buy it, you own it. Like, what, well, How hard is that? Um, you know, as long as it's a good company and it's growing those earnings, how hard can it be? But now that we're in this bear type of sell-off, that has lasted about eight months now. I think some of you are realizing and discovering that long-term investing over you know, many years, five years, 10 years, is maybe a little more difficult than just simply buying and holding. The buy and hold was easy over the prior two years, the first two years of the pandemic, because all we saw was basically all boats rising. But now we're in this bear market, a lot of those big winners have pulled back. And now many of us are in the doubting phase, right? Of, hey, maybe this isn't going to work out like I thought, or things are tough, or I'm in the red on the stock that I bought two years ago with so many stocks round tripping, as I'm calling it, back to their 2020 lows. Now all of those gains are wiped out and we're beginning to have the doubts. And that Doubting is common for long-term investors, but that doubting will also make you a better investor because in some situations, you should be doubting depending on your company, right? No company uh, grows at double digits forever, okay, except maybe Alphabet, (laughs) but almost no one else has been able to do it, right? And so no company will stay on the same course. Look at meta platforms. Heck, I bought it, and I'm sure many of you bought it when it was simply Facebook. And then, you know, it added Instagram and it's created these other businesses. And now it's going into the metaverse. So it's a completely, or maybe soon to be, completely different company than the one you originally bought almost 10 years ago on the IPO now. So you always have to be watching your companies 
what is happening in the business. Because remember, the long-term investor owns that business. You are owning the earnings and those sales. So you want to make sure it's doing what you want it to be doing. Uh, That kind of harkens back to why Warren Buffett sold IBM out of Berkshire Hathaway, right? He had that big stake a decade ago and he owned it for numerous years, but then suddenly he sold it because in his words, the company was not going in the direction he thought when he originally bought And so it's time to get out of that. Um, So that's a topic for another podcast on when to sell. We've talked about that, um, especially on long-term investing. But how to kind of stay in the game as a long-term investor is also a skill that needs to be learned. Sometimes you just do it because you aren't paying any attention (laughs) or you're just, the stock is sold off so much, which we're seeing kind of now that you're like, oh, well, I might as well just stay in this and dollar cost average into my position here or because the stock is on sale and I still do like the business. So I'm going to stay in it. That has happened. I have ended up doing that with my energy positions. I've dollar cost averaged it into it as the stock has pulled back here. Um, but what else uh, can you do to kind of stay the course? And I, I started thinking about this when I saw Jim Cramer's Mad Money this week in here in July uh, 18th of 2022. So he moved his show, Mad Money, over to the New York Stock Exchange. So he had kind of this, you know, reintroduction show talking about what stocks have done since he started Mad Money in 2005. So the show has been on the air for 17 years now. You have to hand it to Jim. He's been around a long time, been through a lot of different cycles and different market conditions with that show, and still is giving investors advice. I like to watch Mad Money to kind of see what people are calling in and asking about, and Jim's guests and to see what he's thinking about what's happening on the stock market. It's just kind of another point of reference out there by someone who has been in the stock marking uh, investing game, as you want to put it, for many, many years. So he had this show, and on it, he talked about what were the best performing S&P 500 stocks while the show Uh, came on the air. And so he gave a list of the top 10 best performers during those 17 years. So I always like these lists. I've done other podcasts on like the best performing stocks of the last 30 years and things like that. But this one was from March 2005 uh, to the present. So the number one best performing stock, and I missed how much it was up, but I can kind of guess was Netflix which is the best performing stock of the last 20 years as well. Even with this year's 68% fall, it still remains the best performing stock of the last 20 years. Um, And so I I didn't catch what it was up, but it was up over 10,000% in those 17 years because number two on the list was Apple. It was up 10,106%. I did catch that one. And then number three, Regeneron the biotech company. Uh, Jim said it was around $5 when he first talked about it on the show. But over those 17 years, if you had bought it right when Mad Money launched, it was up 9,700%. 
Monster Beverage is the next stock. That's also one of the best performing stocks of the last 30 years. They went IPO in 1996, I think, 98, somewhere in there. Um, And then it was a big winner that first decade. So Monster, M-N-S-T, M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, S-T, up 8,285% in those 17 years. And then you had one that's uh, still kind of around, but hasn't been uh, doing quite as well the last couple of years. Booking Holdings, formerly Priceline, it's up 7,782%. But most of that gain, kind of like Monster Beverage as well, was in those earlier years. And off of those lows, off of the dot-com bus lows. And then it took off in those early years, but not so great in the recent years because I've owned it for five or six years in my own personal portfolio. And it's up during that time um, also, which included the great pandemic here that we're having. So it's been a little rocky during the pandemic time, but um, still, you're not anywhere close to the 7,000% uh, over the last number of years. Number six was NVIDIA. We all know that's been a big winner over the last 20 years as well, up 7,369%. Amazon on the list too, up 6,475%. Number eight, one you might not be as familiar with, Illumina. I-L-M-N is the ticker there. I-L as in Larry, M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, up 4,868%. And then number nine, I never heard of, monolithic power, up 4,770%. That ticker is M-P-W-R. And then Tyler Technologies, that one's still around, T-Y-L, up 4,658%. So I'm sure you're thinking like, hey, where's a company like Microsoft here? Um, Because I kind of was, even though I knew it was so bad in those early years and has only recently taken off, I would say in the last five years, really, that it could not generate anywhere close to those 4,000% returns. But I took a look at Microsoft and from uh, March 1st, 2005 to right now in 2022 in July, up uh, 924%, and the S&P 500 up 218% during that time. So still a great return over 17 years, 924, but most of it is is backloaded, so to speak, over the last like five or six years. So I took a look at 2005, um, from March to March 2015, so that decade, and it was up only 61%. So as you can see, most has been in the recent years where it's really taken off here. But if you attempted to buy Microsoft off of its lows after the dot-com bust, it was a long long slodge there. I've mentioned this before because I owned Microsoft (laughs) in the early 2000s. I was dollar cost averaging off those lows, but I ended up selling it around 2005, 2006. And if I had held on, as you can see, this is without dividends reinvested. So we did get a dividend in there, but still pretty slim returns and not what you would expect from that time period. So 
um, this is an interesting list, right? So this got me thinking and I was tweeting out about it. And some of you, of course, were once again saying, of course, I would have bought all these stocks at those lows. I would have held them all those years. I would have had all these huge, huge gains. But would you? This is the difficulty of long-term investing because you could have bought Microsoft, as I said, and if I had held on to my shares all that time, I would be up about a thousand percent. That's a nice return. But I decided I could not hold on during the dark years, as I called them. And the dark years can last a long time with many of these. Um, additionally, what if you had just chosen some other types of companies that just simply haven't done as well? So what if you had bought Sony instead in 2005? You would be up 124% over the last 17 years. It has done better as well, like Microsoft, in the last several years. But those dark years um, around the financial crisis years and all of that were not good for long-term investors in these techie growth names. Um, the NASDAQ during that same 17-year time period up 467%. So you could have just bought the triple Qs and held those instead of having to try to pick and choose the winners. But if you do that, then you don't get lucky and buy um, Apple or, or uh, you know, Tyler Technologies. So if, if you don't roll the dice correct and just buy the index, uh, you're, you're not going to get the 4,000%, right? But what in, if in 2005 you had decided to buy Yahoo instead of a company like Google, which had just gone public in 2004? Well, Yahoo is not even, not even out there anymore. Like, what is it doing? Um, and you can see the difference, but I'm bringing this up because it's very difficult to know what is going to be the winner at that time. Think about booking holdings return again. So it's up 7,782% and it is one of the big online, uh, travel agencies, but Expedia was around in the early 2000s too. And that one is also one of the winners of the online travel agency companies. And Expedia shares up just 103% during that time period. So, but I, I still like Expedia and I still use it. So what if I had picked Expedia instead of Priceline back in the day? Um, I know I can give all of these other types of examples like this, but you're getting my point now. Like it's not simply that easy to look back and go, of course I would have bought Amazon. Although Jim Cramer kind of made it seem like it was. He kind of said, we use Amazon every day. Of course you should have been buying it. But it didn't make money until a couple of years ago, even when finally AWS put it into the green. So for a lot of investors who want companies that actually make money, no, buying Amazon in, you know, even 2012 was not actually a no brainer at that time. So um, these are a couple things to keep in mind for those of you who are trying to be good long-term investors or just long-term investors at all. And I have a few other tips to help you kind of stay the course. So keep in mind that dividends help a lot during the dark times. 
Now, Microsoft did pay a dividend. It finally started paying one in like mid-2000s. And so you could have gotten that dividend all those years. And it wasn't like a bad yield at all. I think it was between 2 and 3% at some point in there. But um, for those of you who want big growth and big gains, it maybe wasn't enough to stay in the stack. But that 2 or 3% can really help your overall returns, right? I've talked about this in the past where just getting an extra 3% from a dividend yield means you only have to get 4% in the share growth to, you know, the share price growth to actually get 7% a year. And you only need to get, you know, 7% to get the 10%. And that extra 2 or 3% is a big deal. And it compounds for you year after year if you reinvest that dividend. So you start to get some good compounding happening there after like a decade and that dividend becomes even a bigger deal. So I do like to own some stocks that pay a dividend for my long-term investment. Not all of them have to, but I do like to own some that pay because it will reward you for your patience and it tends to keep you in the game a little bit longer because at least in your mind, oh, at least I'm getting something and I'm buying some more shares while I'm at it. Um, also, the second tip, make sure you're asking if the business has changed. Like I said, think about what's happening with meta platforms. It's not only changed its name, but the business is changing, even though it does still own the old business, but it's going in new directions. And you have to ask yourself, is this what I want to own? I'm a business owner here. And is this the company I want to own? And will this type of business do what I want it to do? Grow the earnings and the and the sales how I want it to grow and am I paying a good good fair value for this stock and for that kind of earnings and sales growth going forward. So um, ask yourself if the business has changed. Ask yourself if management has changed. If it has the CEO and CFO that you think can take the business in the direction you want to go. These are key things as a business owner, right? Third point is ask yourself if you could wait a decade. Ask yourself honestly, if you bought Microsoft in 2005, are you able to wait 10 years? That's a long time. We've had the spare market for just eight months. Imagine, you know, the stock sitting there doing not nothing, but almost nothing for 10 years. Um, ask yourself how you felt if you've owned Amazon the last three years. Take a look at that chart. It surged out of the pandemic, right? And then um, it has basically, well, I guess it's been two years now. It basically did nothing once it had like a pandemic high for 18 months. The shares have gone nowhere and now have declined over 35% this year here in 2022. So if you bought during the pandemic thinking, oh, Amazon, it's going to be a huge winner here. It's crushing it. it I, I want to own it here. And you've just been kind of waiting. You are probably in the red on that investment, right? 
but this is just a short time period. So how is that making you feel? Are you dollar cost averaging or are you over it and you just want to sell and get out, even if you take a loss? And that's fine to change your mind and get out of your positions. But that's why long-term investing is difficult because you could be waiting a long time for those shares to turn around for the market to realize, hey, there's some value here. And now we do want to own this again. So uh, that's something to ask yourself, what kind of investor are you? And then I do encourage people to look for bulls that are happening today. So on that list from the Mad Money Show, I know many of you, myself included, focused on some of the stocks that had been beaten down in the dot-com bust and that you were able to buy cheap there by 2005 and then they took off again. So stocks like that would have been um, Apple, would have been Booking, it would have been NVIDIA, um, Amazon was really beaten down. It went you know, under $7 or whatever that was. Um, same with Booking, obviously Priceline went way down. And even... William Shatner, remember, he got a lot of stock options for being their spokesperson during the dot-com boom era. That's how they paid him, right? They didn't really have any money, but they're like, here, we'll give you some stock. And it soared and then it crashed down. And then he did say he sold his shares, right? He was like, well, at least I'm getting out with something because a lot of dot-coms were going under. So he sold and got out. Um, so even for him, he, he could not hang on. But a lot of uh, those ones were the ones that, uh, you know, crashed down and then then rebounded. So I know a lot of you are thinking similar situation today, right? We've had a lot of these stocks that have seemingly crashed down. And maybe this is the buying opportunity like 2003, 4, and 5 was on those dot-com stocks. But look at a few of the other ones that are also on this list. So Netflix, the best performer. It didn't go IPO until after the dot-com bus had, was well underway. So it was never a dot-com. It went IPO on May 23rd, 2002. Or um, think about Alphabet. It's not on this list, but it too went IPO well after the time of the dot-com IPOs and mania. And uh, Google went IPO on August 19th, 2004. So both of those stocks became bullish stories basically on their own. They didn't, they weren't bulls or, you know, bubbles and crash down. No, they were already doing their own bullish thing separate from that other cycle, basically. Um, same with meta platforms. It didn't go IPO until well after the dot-com boom and bust and well after the financial crisis. So it wasn't until 2012 that that one finally went. We got the social media stocks starting in the last decade. So that created a new boom in those types of social media stocks and that industry. So that was a whole new thing. So I encourage people who are investing for the long term to not just focus on what has crashed down now, because there's always a new bull somewhere and there's always a new bull going on in some other industry, whether or not it's a, like a new industry, like maybe cybersecurity, 
something like that, which has also seen a pullback. But um, those stocks maybe are part of where the new bull might be. Maybe it's cannabis. Those stocks have gotten hit pretty big, but maybe cannabis will be the one that starts into a new bull. We know some of the cyclicals might be in new bulls here as they were in the 2000s as well, including agriculture and those fertilizer stocks, which surged in the 2000s, and also energy, which surged then and is on a bullish track here now too in 2022. Some of those can be owned for the longer term if you get in early enough in the cycle to own them five or six years, um, uh, maybe 10, but that would be stretching it. But you have to know and uh, know you're buying a cyclical when you buy those types of companies. Some of these others weren't cyclicals, but just businesses that uh, you can manage to get into either after a bust of some kind or they're new and they're in new areas. And so um, that's when you can look for some of these long-term bulls as well. So I encourage you to not focus on the past, right? Um, But look to the future as a long-term investor. But it doesn't hurt maybe to throw some money at some of your favorites that have crashed down, right? Uh, But just know that you may guess wrong. You may guess Sony. You may guess Yahoo instead of Apple or Alphabet, now known as Google back then, but now Alphabet. Um, Also, some of the older names that have been around forever may also not turn out to be how you foresee either. Um, And I always bring up the example of General Electric, GE, because from 2005 uh, to the present, those shares are actually down 75%. And GE used to be a long-term holding for many, many investors, which goes back to my tips for being a long-term investor. Tip number two, ask if the business has changed and what is going on with the business because you are a, an owner and Uh, Even over 100 years time, things will change as they have with General Electric, sometimes for the good. Sometimes they will morph into something um, completely different like Amazon, which was an online shopping site, which now owns one of the biggest cloud businesses, right? Who could have seen that coming? Nobody. So Amazon investors got lucky that they were able to morph into this other business. Microsoft has able to morph beyond its initial business from, you know, 40 years ago as well. Um, GE itself has also morphed well past its initial business, but sometimes not in a good way in the recent years. But again, it's hard to pick the individual uh, holdings And it's hard to pick the winners, even though Jim Cramer made it seem like, of course, these are so obvious on the list. They're really not that obvious at the time. And so that's where maybe some luck comes into play. Maybe you just happen to like a certain product and you buy it on the sell-off. And then you have to have a strong enough stomach to hold on through the ups and the downs, as we're seeing right here, because this is a major down, right? 
in Netflix, um, even Apple down 15% year to date here in 2022. Booking has been up and down big. NVIDIA down really big this year. And that stock hasn't really seen a big pullback in a long, long time. So again, that's part of being a long-term investor. It's hard to do, not easy, but you can stay in the game. But um, it takes dedication and, uh, again, a little bit of a luck. Get those dividends, at least on some holdings, and know your companies, follow along, see what's going on with your companies, and don't panic. That's key as well. Don't panic. Think longer term if you can. And then hopefully you do get maybe at least one. It only takes one. One of these top 10 that was on Kramer's list of the best performers since 2005 to make your portfolio. And that's what we're all in it for, for investing, right? To, uh, you know, see those gains and to be good investors, especially over the long term. So let me recap some of the stock tickers I talked about because there were quite a few in this episode. So there's Netflix and that's down big. But will it stay down or can it reinvent itself once again? By the way, I still get the little red envelopes in the mail. Yes, I'm one of the few. I think they said there was a million people who on the 20th anniversary who were still getting the Netflix DVDs. I have thought about canceling it because there's so many streaming services that contain so many of the newer movies now, but I'm still getting it because I do like to get some of the back catalog that you can't get anywhere else. But remember, they used to just ship us DVDs in the mail and then they invented the streaming and we're off to the races. So invention is key. So Netflix, NFLX, then we talked about uh, Alphabet, G-O-O-G-L. I also, I own that one. I've never owned Netflix, actually. Um, and then we talked about Apple, A-A-P-L. We talked about Regeneron. We mentioned that, R-E-G-N. They're still around and big in the pandemic. Who knew back in the day that a pandemic would come and Regeneron in the news. Monster Beverage, they're still around, M-N-S-T. Then we have Booking, formerly known as Priceline, also reinventing itself. B-K-N-G is the ticker. I own that one. Um, NVIDIA, one of my favorites, the beast, as I used to call it, N-V-D-A is the ticker there. Amazon, I still own that. I bought a couple of years ago. Uh, but I didn't get in on the lows. I've talked about that. You don't always have to get in on the very lows to have a big winner. AMZN is the ticker. Illumina, also on the Mad Money list. ILMN, ILMN is that ticker. Monolithic Power, MPWR. Tyler Technologies, TYL. I mentioned Meta Platform several times. M-E-T-A, and then we also had Sony, S-O-N-Y. It's down off of its highs. Looks kind of interesting here as well. Um, and then we talked about GE, GE, Expedia, E-X-P-E is their ticker. And so this is a big list of big cap uh, winning and uh, interesting stacks in this episode. Uh, but find your own, find your new stacks that are going to make up these lists 
for the next 10 or 20 years because they're out there right now. We just don't know what they are, um, but it's always fun to try to find them. So be sure to subscribe because that's what we try to do on this show. We try to find great companies that will be winning stocks every week on the Market Edge. And so you can get us on SoundCloud. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify, but be sure to get us someplace. And I'll be back next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.